If you look at the screen, you see that handsome man with the red beard? Mm-hmm. Look at him always okay. when you're talking. <laughs> He's a two-time felon. Be careful. <laughs> 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 Welcome to what? Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Eliza and I am back in the studio. No, I, I want to take this opportunity to welcome you back from Cincinnati, which the Cognoscenti <laughs> did tell me was in Ohio. Dynasty. Yes, H-I-O. I was in the Ohio. And hey, thanks. I had a couple of listeners who reached out to me after they heard heard that heard me on the show. Yes, uh, offering to take me out, but uh, I was. I was gone. Take quick. you out and get concrete shoes. And get paid <laughs> <laughs> you the Ohio River is filled with podcasters. No, I. So yeah, thanks no, to everyone who reached out. But uh, yeah, I am back. But let's get to who is here who? in the studio. And uh, there's going to be a new voice here, and it, oh, it sounds good too. I like this one. Hey everyone, this is Liza running the board. Tonight it's Stumpy John. What's up, everybody? Hey. Better to be a stump than a chump. <laughs> <laughs> what with the what? It's better to be a stump than a chump. But you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the classy girl couch. Aloha. It's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. I'm I'm so thrilled to be with you all today. It says here. <laughs> You have a compass on your arm, and anytime we go somewhere, I'll know where I'm at. Yes, brilliant. Exactly. Thank you. No, you're you're so welcome. You're my navigational aid now. I am now your navigational aid. No, this was my birthday present to myself. Beautiful. I was going to say it's a fun thing. Spin her like a top and see how she lands with that compass. <laughs> the same direction every time. It's amazing. Well, she always points north now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when she falls flat on her face. You will, you will often find me in a, in, in a, in a Boy Scout's pocket. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, going around the room, we've got Craig the Giant. The juice is loose. <laughs> the giant juice. <laughs> <laughs> the juice is loose in your caboose. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh so what God. is giant juice? I, I just need to know. Craig? It's, it's a type of man juice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're, they're um, it's, it's, the, it's the flavor. It's the flavor? <laughs> yeah. Uh, going around the room, uh, fresh back from a new adventure, yes. it's Naked Jim. One night in Bangkok makes a hard man humble. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh! I know you're you're not going to Thailand. You're going to Vietnam. I'm going to Vietnam. We'll save that one. <clears throat> but someone who's probably ridden in Thailand, I wouldn't be surprised. It's Bagel. Hi. Uh, no, actually, I have never been to Thailand. Not yet. Oh, but but perhaps someday. I, you, I would like to go. I've, you, I've heard really great things about it. You know, there is uh, an old Thai proverb that says that in an airport. If a gentleman walks through the turnstile sideways, he's probably going to Bangkok. <laughs> I have heard this. Oh, my God. And joining us for the first time, and this one is interesting, because not only does she have a voice for radio, she has a face for TV. It's Jenya. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenya, like Kenya, but with a J. 
Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Are you still kind of having this like, what am I doing here? Yeah, I'm going, of... going with the flow. <coughs> Follow, following your own lead. You notice how we trap you in the corner over there, right? And almost. <laughs> so <clears throat> I just want to get this first thing out of the way. We, we had a listener sent us a gift. We have the best oh, listeners. Here, I'm, I'm going to hand it over to you. I can't wait to see what it is. Oh, it's a box. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Jim, she yes. got in trouble today. You might have been the culprit. I don't know who, the, who was the culprit, but I, I yelled at Emma about all the gummies that were all over the place. I found gummies on the floor. There were gummies. You guys, did you have a gummy war last week? No, there was a listener who brought Emma a whole bag full of gummies. Yeah, so Donovan. I'm gonna, Donovan. So I'm blaming on Donovan because he's not here. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but uh, John, uh, I'm I'm not allowed sharp things at home. Here. Can you open the knife for me? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank so, you. So, uh, yeah. So we got a a package in the mail. Good things come <laughs> in brown see. boxes. <clears throat> in fact, we got th- we three we got three uh, three packages identical uh, due to some communicate or confusion with addresses and mis- oh. lost shipments, and then they all <clears throat> arrived. Which is crazy. I was going to see if there were three separate boxes. I bet all of them but, still uh, had Dixon. Listener Paul sent us a surprise. What oh, could Paul? it be? Paul? Paul. <clears throat> Let's have a look. I'm opening the box, and it's, it's, it's got quite a bit of weight to it. According to the U.S. Postal Service, um, this is over two pounds. Oh, mm. kind of looks oh. like, yes, like yes. There is a symbol of a phallic nature on the box, which I have a suspicion is what it's. Oh, uh, oh these are just so. <laughs> Did we get a box of dicks? Yes, gummy candies, bag of dicks. Oh my! By dicksbymail.com. So these are absolutely fantastic. These are like gummy. Um, Jellies to our English <coughs> friends. These are like jelly, jelly, jelly babies, <coughs> but they're in the shape of willies. And um, jelly knobs. You, and it's got a knob. <laughs> Johnson's a jelly um, knob. Um, excuse me, excuse me. No one ever told me dicks taste so good. Did you? <laughs> what have I been missing out? Liza, did you just did you just bite the helmet off? Yeah, isn't that how so you do it? It's got it's got the helmet and testicles. But the thing that I find I'm reading, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm reading the ingredients, and it's got the diarrhea inducing ingredients, oh, which is the great. Oh, no. So that would mean dicks give you diarrhea. Yes. Oh. Okay, so I'm just I'm going by just what I've heard like on the internet stuff. So I ate the shaft. So now, <laughs> is that what you do with the rash? No, you're supposed to put them on your eyes. Put them on your eyes. You gargle them, right? Oh God! Put them on your eyes. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> on this motorcycle <laughs> podcast, <laughs> um, Paul. Oh, that was um, <clears throat> honestly, thank you for such a thoughtful gift. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> Our listeners have the keenest sense of humor, send us the best gifts, just generally the greatest people. So, Paul, thank you. Um, We're going to enjoy these, and uh, I'm going to enjoy seeing what they do to John's gastric system. (laughs) Eat a whole bag now. (laughs) Don't know that I need to What is the ingredient? I've been hearing about this inducing. Can you read what the ingredient is? So, um, it's carnauba wax. Ah, yeah, the wax. Yeah, it's the Carnuba wax. Apparently, it goes through you like a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Okay. Word. So yeah, um, uh-huh. eat a bag of dicks, jelly dicks. It says here. <laughs> so um, no, these are great. These are fantastic. Except for the wax. 
Well, <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> all right. Well, well, all right. While you're getting excited about your bag of dicks, Jim, where did you just uh, show up from? Oh, yeah. So I was back down in the desert. Uh, you spent... love it down there so much. Yeah. Well, you know, I think like all of us, we like to ride anywhere. And that's just where you can ride now with all the snow and weather. You know, the snow's down to like two, three thousand feet in the Sierras. So that's not really a great option right now. Um, so yeah, the desert's a good option. And Shoot, we may not get to ride in the Sierras until like August. I know, right? It's, it's crazy. Be like like twenty, thirty but feet of snow in places. You know, Jim, I was looking at those photographs you showed me. Um, the sky is so vibrant down there. Yeah, it's really pretty. It's an area um, in the Mojave Desert. I guess you call it northern, eastern Mojave, uh, southwest of of Death Valley. Um, and it's near Edwards Air Force Base. Okay. So there's kind of a landmark. And if you don't know about Edwards Air Force Base, what a fascinating history that place has. And by the way, thank yeah. you for sending me the I'm here from your what, spot. Uh, from my uh, in, in reach. In reach mini. <clears throat> but I mean, uh, Charlie was like, he loves to go out in the desert alone. I'm like, yeah, but it's fine. He told me where he is. I, I'll tell him where to find the body if he doesn't show up in a couple of days. But Jim, exactly. how long does it take you to drive down there from, from here, from Santa Cruz? Because it's quite a trek. Isn't yeah, it? well, here's the beauty. It, it can be a, a as far as you want really but the we're lucky in the sense the closest place you can kind of go to is a place i, I go to jawbone canyon so it's kind of south of three fine 395 on the eastern side of the sierras um you know that's where bmw's rawhide facility is i think is out that way okay so it's north of edwards air force base and it's high desert so it's around three thousand feet and it's in some interesting geological areas it's over so, by joshua tree also it's like east of joshua but i mean joshua tree is an eight-hour journey yeah, this is only five. Wow. So it's not bad. So <laughs> I look like people go skiing, you know, drive like four right. hours to Tahoe. This is like an hour more. So I bounded out Thursday night, stayed in Bakersfield, got there early uh, Friday morning and, and rode, got, I rode like 83 miles of dual sport riding on, on, on Thursday, Friday. So what's your what's your normal route? You take one hundred one and then cut across forty six. Yeah, one hundred one to forty six, and then down to Bakersfield. Then you loop around. It's right where the it's right where the Sierra Mountains yes come in touch with Mojave Desert. So you can be at, at high desert at around twenty eight hundred feet, and then you can ride all the way up into the Sierras, into the sugar pines, and and things like that. So and, you know up around four forty. So it's over by Tatchby. Yeah. Right? Yep. You go over to Tatchby to yeah. get there. So you actually on the way you drive past Shalom. Where um, Jimmy Dean yes. shuffled off his mortal Yes, you coil. do that intersection. Yeah, yes. yep, yep, Jimmy Dean, the James Dean Memorial. Yeah, so but it's it's fascinating. It's a nice neck of the woods. Yeah, it is, and and you know we've had so much rain and stuff. I've I've been watching you know the stuff online and <clears throat> all the snow, and I've always wanted to ride like in the desert in the yes, snow, right? Yes. Just the, something about that contrast. And so I went down there, um, and they had snow at about I don't know maybe four, a little over four thousand feet. But I'm down in this canyon uh, is where I camped. I just camp out of the back of the truck. It's BLM land, so kind of anything goes. And it's just it's hill climb crazy. So you're in this valley, and there's just hill climbs on everywhere you look. I wish I was better at hill climbs because then anyway, I'd, I'd be able to access so much more of this <laughs> you place. You need to follow Craig more. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But, but, or I'll do them, and I'll kill myself, one or the other. <laughs> but there's plenty of other riding. Um, so there's a mix of wilderness. <clears throat> there's, like, the Bright Star Wilderness is out there. El Paso Mountain Wilderness is out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's a whole variety of, of deep, deep sand um, to rocks, to rocky sand, all the different wow. sands. Um, but what was cool about it this time is there was snow. So I got to ride up to snow. And you think it's going to be cool. And I think if you're somewhere where it's really frozen and snowy, you're like, oh, this is fun. But if you're somewhere where it's like in the high 40s and snowy and all the snow's melting and turning to mud, 
it's not so fun. So I got turned around up in a mountain pass at one point, came back down, took another road that was gaining elevation at about 4,000 feet. Uh, they got snowier and snowier, and then melting snow and sandy loam turns into like this mud. quicksand mud. Yeah. So I got pretty stuck, had to hop off the bike and kind of just muscle it around in a circle. And um, But what was cool about all the moisture is there's a lot of washes in the desert, obviously, where in the wintertime when it rains, all the water rushes down. Well, most of the time you're there, especially during the drought years, it's just really sandy, like deep, deep sand, which, which is cool to ride in, but it gets a little tiring after a while. So all those areas now, um, some of them still had a little bit of water in them, but they were like wet beach sand. So mm, instead of being real fluffy, like really compacted and super grippy. So some of the funnest riding I did was just through these like real narrow desert washes that would kind of weave through the bushes and, ah, you know, cool. yeah, because you're down in yeah. it, right? And the sides are like three feet above you <clears throat> or whatever. And you're just kind of like, you know, really throwing your weight around and, and just carving through it. So it was a neat experience. It was really cool to be down there um, when it wasn't just, you know, sandy, sandy, sandy. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So when did you go down? I left Thursday night, stayed in Bakersfield. Yeah, I did. Got it. Did almost two hundred miles. Um, wow. And I learned, you know, lots of valuable lessons. One is nothing's a loop until you actually make it out of the other end. <laughs> John and I found that one yeah, yeah, okay. recently. <laughs> so wow. I did learn not to go past the point of no return. But similar thing. I'm up in the mountains, and um, again, it goes from like Mars looking stuff to like mini Utah, southern mm-hmm. Utah, to just sandy washes. And I was trying to find a big loop out. I had gone past some mines, old mines and things. And I'm heading down and I was getting point to, you know, the point of no return where you, we don't have enough gas to turn around and go back if you get stuck. So I'm going down this thing, this wash. It's called Last, Last Chance Canyon. I'm like, oh, how bad can this be? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm getting to the point where I'm going to, you know, I can't turn around. And I get to this section, and I saw it on the map. It was like the Cull of blah, blah, blah. And I had a little symbol. I'm like, cool, I'll check it out. Well, little did I know, it was like a Jeep crawl section. Oh. So again, like it happened to me down in Anza Borrego, um, and whatever the hell that was, the hell hill they called it. You get to this point, like when you're deep, deep into it, where you're like, I can't do this. I thought I might be able, Craig could have done it. And it was, it was downhill, so that was better. And I'm like, I think I could do this. And then I walked it. Um, and I'm like, I think I can do it. And then I went up and I looked down at it and I go, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, because if you do and you fuck up, which is, I think, I think it was a, toink, a coin toss at that point. Yeah. You know, you're jacked up in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm 34, 36 miles from, from camp. I mean, someone would come by at some point or I'd push my button, but just not a place I wanted to be. And it was like 3.30 in the afternoon. And like you guys know, come 3.30, o'clock. Yeah, it starts sh- getting real. Shadows start getting long, especially <laughs> yep. when you're 34 miles from home. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, did the right thing, I guess, in my mind, and I turned around and ended up going back mm-hmm. the whole way. But it was cool. It's always different when you go back. Live another day. Live another day. And I was, I was stoked waking up this morning like, I'm really glad I didn't. Because <laughs> it was just yeah. like a Jeep crawl <laughs> downhill, yeah. like just nothing but rock and pain. Um, <laughs> yeah, because so. you don't, you don't want to be stuck somewhere where you can't get out of there. No, and like and like you guys know too. And when you go down something like that, if you make it down it, you're like, Jesus, I made it. Thank God. If you go a little <laughs> bit further and there's something worse, right? And you're right. like, dude, I thought I was home yeah. free, but no, yeah, I know where I came. Then you're then you're proper <laughs> yeah. fucked. You're like, just, just remember done. Josh getting airlifted out and they left their bikes behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's that yeah. that's that can happen. So you know, keep your in, you know have some sort of device with you. Have a plan. You know, besides hope, uh, but it was beautiful. <laughs> you know, I love BLM land. I like the high desert. 
uh, and it was nice to get out and ride. So awesome. yeah, yeah, go see I'm it. Glad you made it back. Good, good, good decision and making. It, you know, yeah. Jim, you have become our adventurer in such yeah. a short space of time. Yeah, I think it's the most wonderful thing. It's like like leader bikes. It's intoxicating. Yes, mm. it is intoxicating. Mm. On leader bikes. <laughs> I love that <laughs> analogy <laughs> so much. That's how, uh, how is the Jixxer doing? Oh, oh, uh, different topic. Uh, the Jixxer's great. I took it out for a run last weekend in between the raindrops, and it just gets smoother and smoother. Yeah. Just, yeah, faster. And, and you've faster. still got the FC1, don't you? Yes, if anybody wants an, an FC1 in great shape, <laughs> I'll make a deal. I'm just too lazy to put it on Craigslist. <laughs> God fast almighty, as that is just so stupidly fast. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different... It's very, very interesting because they're both liter bikes. And they're both, you know, anything made within the last 10 or 15 years, I'd call a modern bike. I Mm. mean, I know the electronics on the GSX are a lot more. But that FC1 is a very different experience to the GXR, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot more visceral. Very visceral. It's much simpler and cleaner and, I don't know, maybe a little more agile, but... Yeah. Cool. Well, um, remember uh, last year when my cousin Zach joined us yeah. and told us the story about being with his friend who ended up killing the neighbor? Funnily enough, mm. I was thinking about that this morning, and I don't know why it popped into my mind, but it did. And I remember how traumatic it was for me. I have an update. <clears throat> okay. So um, the more to the story has come out. Okay. So it turns out that also in that neighborhood, <clears throat> for people to remember, so my friend Zach was behind his buddy who was riding too fast at night and a neighbor jumped out into the street to tell him to slow down and he hit him and killed him. Right. So um, he was charged with manslaughter. Not charged. He was convicted of manslaughter. Okay. Um, but there's a story. Uh, apparently, there's a DEA agent who also lived in the neighborhood who had confronted him about him speeding through the neighborhood all the time and told him to slow down before he'd kill somebody. Also, <clears throat> since that happened, he's had three more speeding tickets issued. Oh, wow. Ooh. So he's unfortunately somebody who is um, not getting their shit together. And it's unfortunate that... Um, that yeah, that he's convicted of manslaughter, felony charge. And cocaine's a bitch. Um, and it's sad, but uh, the police reenactment said he was doing um, forty-seven in a twenty-five. So I just use this as a reminder to everybody: slow it down, right? In neighborhoods, just yeah. remember that. Well, there's nothing wrong with going fast. But in an appropriate area and a neighborhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a school zone or even, you know, a high uh, urban area is not a great place and, to go well, fast. I, you know, living in Santa Cruz Mountains, it's it's race Sunday every Sunday when it's dry. And uh, I know where all the like side streets are and where everybody comes out. But some of these riders don't know. Oh, yeah. And these guys come coming around these, these side streets and that's where you get that's where you kill people and you get killed. I just I wish people would just slow down up there until you get up on Summit or away from all the like other other air you know all the, right, right, the right. houses and stuff. I haven't spoken to Zach yet, but the report I got is that his bike hasn't been running and he hasn't really made it a priority to get it fixed. And it's quite possible that this is something that spooked him enough 
Mm. But so he's not writing anymore. I assume this dude hasn't been sentenced yet. He's no, still out. He, no, he's sentenced. So what was his sentence for manslaughter? I, I don't, I don't and know. And three, I know three additional charge. speeding I know, tickets. I know, I know. I'm just saying. So that's, <clears throat> wow. that's the update. There's more, more to the story. And we, we've got to remember that Zach was just following him, but Zach went through all that. So, um, yeah, yeah just, just update. That's what, what did happen with that. He was found guilty. Wow. Um, also, I mean, they said that, um, so the the guy who was killed was walking with his wife on the sidewalk doing their evening walk, and he took one step off the curb to wave to him, slow him down. So that's how close he was wow. to the curb. Mm. It wasn't like in the middle of the street, right? Yeah. So, wow. um, that's the update on that. But I wanted to get to why Jenya has joined us. Our guest, yeah, with so, a lovely voice. There's a. Uh, so one of the things, like, um, when Kat and I have been planning this UK trip, and we unfortunately had to cancel it, because bike theft in the UK is so prevalent. It's, it's, a, it's a huge problem to where the um, rental company said they won't rent to us unless we provide proof of secure parking at every location, which, as you know, Emma, is really hard. How many oh, yeah. hotels have, you know chained or you right. know, gated and you, parking lots. And you they don't. cannot wing it because if you were to wing <clears throat> it and the bike gets stolen and all the insurance company is going to do is send an adjuster over to the hotel, where was the bike parked? Is it there? You're liable for yeah, the yeah. cost of the bike, so it's not worth it. So, I mean, and I've seen a lot of videos, um, like in, in UK, it's really bad, but also like when um, we were talking about the Motorcycle Task Force in New York, and I've been following them. Yep. That is another place. It's a huge problem is, is theft. It's becoming worse and worse and worse. Well, a couple weeks ago, I saw a post on one of the Facebook groups. It wasn't Bay Area. San Francisco motorcycle yes, rider, some, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Of a story, and I think wasn't the title like, I got my bike back or something like that? Well, I updated a couple times. The yeah. original, but the original post was just describing the situation which in so, which the bike got stolen. Um, and so this, and this is something that's been on my mind, is bike theft, because it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. We've had small bikes stolen here from the garage. Mm-hmm. There was that time, knock, mm-hmm. somebody was trying to steal his bike from the parking lot oh, outside his right. work. He took him and out. he ran outside, <laughs> and he ran, and he shoulder-checked him and that knocked him boss. off the bike and yeah. took his bike back. Wait, Doug have a dirt bike stolen? Yep. Doug had a dirt bike stolen yep. that he recovered after it had been yep. spray-painted lime green. Fortunately, but it was actually Hunter Green. (laughs) But Jenya, tell your story. First of all, you live in Oakland. I do live in Oakland. Yeah, the Bay Area. Yes. And Oakland, much like Santa Cruz, San Francisco, has its own rash of like homeless problems, uh, the homeless camps, stuff like that. We've had a lot of that here. So um, tell us the story. Let's describe. What your bike well, is you know, and where a, it was parked. Uh-huh. But Liza, I'm going to check you that don't necessarily, and I know in this case. We're talking about this case. But you don't necessarily just, because there is a homeless problem, there's a crime problem. No, but for a lot of the cities that have these growing right. homeless camps, this is part of the problem. We'll get to that. Right. To why. So what kind of bike do you ride? The bike that got stolen that I ride currently is Yamaha MT-07. Good bike. I bought it used. I think it's 2018. Yes, and the bike. was this a replacement bike? 
This was a replacement bike for my baby, my beautiful Triumph Daytona 675. Oh. Mm-hmm. And what happened to that bike? And that bike got stolen mm-hmm. from the same gated garage exactly a year ago right. from exact same parking spot. And so yes. this is a gated garage. This is not parked out on the street. Not on the street. When I was looking for an apartment to rent, that was one of the things I was looking for is gated garage, and I'm paying extra for it. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't just just sitting there. You also had security uh, on it. What did you have? What kind of locks did you have? I had, at the moment, I only put a giant kryptonite chain that I wrapped through the engine and the back wheel. And I also also have a lock that goes on the brake, on the uh, front brake, which I didn't have it on at the moment. Oh, is it a disc lock or is it the handbrake? I had a disc lock, not at the moment, um, and Mm -hmm. the brake... On the brake lever and the grip. Yeah, have you guys seen these? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes over the handlebar and just locks the brake. I kind of yeah. like that, too. Yeah. It just takes yeah. t- extra time for the thieves to get the bike rolling. Okay, so yeah. tell us what happened. Well, and a thing that I had on the bike as well that saved it was an Apple AirTag. There you go. Nice. So I think it yeah. took them very quickly to get the chain off. That didn't stop the thieves. So I got home, saw that the bike was gone. And looked at the AirTag location, and it showed a location in Oakland. So it was about 9 p.m. that night, Saturday night. I turned around right away, going to the location while calling 911. Uh, As I reached 911 at some point, maybe 10 minutes after calling, the cops said, ma'am, we don't recommend that you go to that location Mm -hmm. right now because it's a very large homeless encampment. I naturally went got there, looked at it. It looked exactly as the cops described. So the cops said, I can pull over and wait, pull over two blocks away, wait for them to arrive on the scene, and then we'll go through whatever steps. Uh, They also said I was 136 caller on on the line waiting for police presence. Wow. So I decided to go home, wait for them to call. From the previous theft, I knew that it's going to take hours and hours. In the morning, I woke up, no call from the cops. Uh, the, the night before, I posted um, my cry for help on this Facebook group. And, and, and I just want to say, I think at this point where you are, I think we can all understand it's your baby is gone. Yeah, for sure. Your baby is gone. Why won't anyone help me? Like, that's mm. a frustrating thing, you know? Because yeah. to us, it is. It's, well, especially it's, when you know where it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is probably... Oh, yeah. That is not a bigger priority. Huh. For the cops. Yes. Yeah. But I also understand that it's Oakland. I see what they have to deal with. So yeah. I definitely understand that there's a shortage of cops and people call for various reasons that are not necessarily emergencies. So I knew that they're a stretch thin. So... In the morning, I went back and looked at the posts on Facebook, and multiple people offered to help. Nice. Uh, rounding up some guys with baseball bats, <laughs> large do- large dogs. There were multiple things that uh, were offered to use to get the bike back, and a lot of enthusiasm to help. <laughs> we're so get, We're getting the posse together. I know. So I said, well, hey, cops are not calling. Let me go check it out, at least in the daylight, see what's going on there. So I contacted two people that direct messaged me, 
met one of them because the second guy was running late. So I met up with a guy at a gas station about a mile away from the location of the homeless camp. We went, in, we went there. At the moment when we arrived, the cops arrived responding to my call. Wow. Which was the next day. The next day. But it's still, they arrived right when I arrived there. So that was perfect. So they were very hesitant to go into the encampment, which consisted of many layers of entrances, like gate, gates. You just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper, and you could hear dogs barking and who knows what, scary noises, yes. So I actually called our friend Kenny the cop, and I did ask him about this. I said, it's a, it's a common perception amongst motorcyclists when their bike is stolen that the cops won't do anything to help <clears throat> and he said well here's a couple things first of all without a search warrant we're not allowed to look in mm-hmm. things or behind things or around things we can't do that we can't just go help ourselves we can't lift tarps mm-hmm. also it's not worth our life because there might be other stuff in there and it's 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 not worth the risk, unfortunately. But when yeah, if, if it's at a house, they can't just go in. And so he's like, our hands are somewhat tied, and yeah. then also facing the whole risk. So I I, I appreciate his perspective because it is frustrating because you're like, why aren't you going in? You know. So and I was frustrated. Something I said to them uh, when they weren't. Uh, following me, I said, hey, if I had a gun and I went in there and I shot the gun, you would be responding to an active, active shooting. So let's go. <laughs> I love and they're that. Like, and they're like, ma'am, ma'am, stay back. I'm like, I don't have children. I don't have a husband. I don't have a house I'm paying for. I'm going in. I want my bike back. I want my She's bike not back. afraid to go to jail. <laughs> Again. So, uh, so at some point, with the co- cops told me to stay back once we got very close to where like the, the center of it was where the uh, Apple tag was spinning and at that point I heard a bunch of dogs which I was more afraid of than getting shot or whacked in the head with something so I let the cops go in they spent about 10 minutes talking to people looking around they didn't see anything no one knew anything of course so they came out they said ma'am you would be surprised how fast things change hands here so in my imagination group A stole the bike got it there then group B came, loaded into the truck. Now my bike is on its way to where whatever yeah. point. So I got I filled out a police report, kind of realizing that the bike is probably not there, and that uh, air tag was taken out and just sitting there pinging. Um, the first guy from the motorcycle Facebook group, mm-hmm. or I let him go because he already was with me for an hour and a half or so. So and then the second guy shows up with a friend and a large mean dog, as, <laughs> as was promised. It got delivered. So he also brought a drone, and he was, mm. he was really, really enthusiastic, and yeah. he wanted to help. So I was like, you know what? The bike is probably not there, but let me help this guy get all this energy out. He's young. Adrenaline. Let's go. I, I like this part. This is something that has never come up in recovery is using a drone. Yeah. So we went back to the location. He got the drone out. I've never seen a drone in person or the screen where you see the image. Mm-hmm. And it was so clear. So we zoomed yeah. in on everything. There were boats and lots of <laughs> things covered in tarps that could have been my bike. Uh, we looked around, didn't see anything. So we packed up the drone and I said, you know what? One last thing. Let's just go over there where the bike pinged 
If I see someone walking around there, I'll kindly, friendly ask them if they know anything. I'll offer them cash if they have it. And if they say no, that's it. I'll go mm-hmm. home and make a claim. Meanwhile, this guy's friend mentioned something that I didn't really pay attention to. So he said, hey, I know someone who lives in this encampment. I haven't talked to him about, uh, to him in about a year, but let me call him. So he calls him, no answer. So we get on our cars and drive about a block, <clears throat> which we drove because we didn't want to leave the cars unattended. Yeah. You just want to see him at all times, obviously. Uh, so we get to that spot, which was exact same spot where the <coughs> cops were earlier. And as we get to the spot, a car pulls up with three people in it. And one of the three people is the homeless guy that this guy just tried to call. <laughs> wow. So they go, hey, hey, what's up? What's up, buddy? And they're like, hey, she has a problem. So I walk up to one of the people there and I say, hey, my bike got stolen. And the guy goes, what does it look like? I described it. He's like, we got it. I'm like, no way. He's like, I don't have it, but we have it here. So he rolled the bike and I'm so happy. And now all of a sudden these thieves are so happy with because they see how excited I am. <laughs> and I'm thanking them, holding my heart. And I'm like, you guys. And they're just, everyone is joyful. So they rolled the bike out. They hot wired it. So the power came on. The key didn't go in, but only the wires were pulled out. So it wasn't drivable. So we rolled it up onto the truck. Um, I ended up giving cash to one of the guys and he was so thankful he said you have no idea this is exactly what i needed i live just down there 28th and wood mm-hmm. which was the same encampment so we all hugged it out got the bike onto the truck took the bike back to my garage which was kind of weird putting it in the exact same spot and then the guy who helped me earlier he offered to take my bike to his garage and help me fix it. And so the no- now the damage is only worth like $40 of parts. Wow. That's wow. great. That's nice. cool. Pretty good story, right? She gets a bike back. Mm-hmm. Not the end of the story. Isn't there an update? Uh, no, I'm going to kind of keep no? it private. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there is a... There were more, more. You've made some nice, friends. You've made I, some I friends made through this. Is a story. Made, yes, I through made friends. The, making that post and people coming out and making friends, and and discovering more of the community, which is yeah. really cool. And the fact that you went on there and posted it was really smart too. I see people posting all the time when they spot a bike that looks shady, yep. and like, hey, there's a bike down uh-huh. here by the railroad tracks, spray yep. painted. And I've even seen where um, somebody's like, hey, I keep seeing this dude ride around on this spray-painted bike. Whose is it? And someone else goes like, oh, actually, that's his bike. I know him. You know, he is a homeless guy, but he actually owns a bike. So it goes both ways in helping to identify. Right. You know. And so, Emma, going back, the reason I talked about the homeless camp is because of the dangers of going in there to try and recover and the fact that the police can't really help you with that either is what i was afraid to i mean what we're faced with is it's a chicken and egg kind of thing there is an epidemic in crime going on right now and there's a huge shortage of police and you have to ask yourself is the epidemic in crime due to the fact that a lot of people realize that we are under police right now or there simply aren't the police 
to investigate the crimes <laughs> and these things go unchecked and the, some of the criminal elements are emboldened. Either way, I mean, it's a bad scene. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions. Yes. Um, <clears throat> two. Uh, the first one, the air card or air tag? Air tag. How far, what's the range on that? And, do you, and can you only use it with an Apple phone? So, no, the, uh, there's one for Android okay. phones. So it, so it, uh, it pings off of, of phones, other that, are, phones. Uh, that are in the area. Okay. Actually, this morning, I looked at my Apple tag location, and it's still showing that address as of oh. 9.25 this morning. <clears throat> so they took out a bag where the Apple the tag was, so it's still sitting there. In the Interesting. Head. Okay, so you can do it with, with Android or the other. Yeah. And, and as long as there's other devices so, kind of in between yeah. there, then you can it works. Okay, how, good how, to know. Big, how big is the tag? That you like uh, a little bigger than a bottle qu- cap quarter yeah. bottle cap bottle cap yes so truthfully you there's one there's one right there okay so you could actually you could tuck that anywhere i was gonna gorilla say tape, you could, gorilla tape tape it to anywhere yeah. bicycle i've, you got, could I've epoxy, got one on every key ring I have. you could epoxy it to the inside of yep. the frame and nobody would know yeah okay and here's my other question emma maybe you can help with this those kryptonite locks that they that they Compromised are not cheap. No, I know they're, they're not cheap. So why are they so easy? Do they cut through them? Do they break? I break have no lock? idea. I didn't Oprah, ask any questions. Oprah, but Oprah, Oprah showed uh, on live how to break into one, and then they, there was they a, cut it right. They have to cut it. So well, is it an angle grinder, and why is that? Doable? So yeah, the ones that were on your bike was it cut? Um, the, the lock wasn't. The chain was not there, but also the pavement was clear of any kind of debris that would indicate that it was cut shavings. there was no shavings i looked around so oh so they broke it somehow then rather than cut it yeah don't they have a um some kind of a 400 dollar thing they'll give you if they if you can prove that they broke it um, there was some kind of a guarantee. Well, I think, so there are some I brands that have said that. Uh, hey, Emma, but, how do you break a lock like that how do you it's well, generally done with YouTube. hydraulics let's save that because we're going to oh. have that topic oh, coming okay. up later. Oh, but I want to go back to, I mean, you got prevention first off, right? You had locks on it in a secure parking garage. With a camera that they installed after the first theft. Yeah. That didn't work. And when I talked nope. to Kenny, he's like, you know what? Give anyone 20 minutes on privacy. That's all they That's all they need, right? To get through anything. But I have to bring up the question, um, having a like an air tag. Now you're saddled with recovering, and that's a whole nother element of danger. Definitely. And as as I said, the cops can't just go in. Now, if there's maybe enough people who've reported their air tags all showing up at a single address that maybe, you know, a detective would get involved. I don't know how, the, how they do that. Maybe it becomes bigger priority. But that's a whole nother thing. Even if you know where it is, you can't just go in and get it. And I can see that as being a problem, and I'll tell you why. If you have an air tag as you did, the frustrating part is, I know where my bike is. It's just the other side uh-huh. of that wall. And human nature being what it is, especially if you love your bike, you imagine if it had been your Daytona and you knew where it was. You would do anything to get in there, even kind of potentially <coughs> risking yourself. Well, going there at night initially was dangerous. Right. Even, even getting these guys round up. At first, I made a post first trying to get people to go, and then I deleted it because I realized yeah, that I have, to, they are. <laughs> I have to uh, invite people in private because if I post something... 
knowing that I'm inviting people to go into a dangerous situation, potential situation of someone getting hurt, then it becomes responsibility of moderators of this group and my, that mm. I knowingly invited people into a environment. Well, that, having a dog and a bat was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to share a quick story. I remember years ago reading City Bike Magazine when we used to have it here <clears throat> and reading a story of a woman in San Francisco. Similar thing. Um, secure, gated uh, parking. Her bike was stolen, had cameras. She had the footage of them stealing her bike, went to the cops and here's the guys. And they're like, yeah, okay. You know, what are you going to do? Right. And she felt really frustrated. A, it wasn't a priority for the police. And she, you know, they're not going to do like, not going to get the FBI involved to use the, yeah. you know, whatever. They're like, okay, you got footage. I mean, if you catch the person, then you have the footage to help convict them. But it's not going to help you get the bike back. She was very frustrated and just calling them all the time. And there was nobody helping her. And then uh, like three months later, she got a call from an impound lot in like Sacramento or something that they had her bike. And she was like, what? Like how, how amazing. So she drove up to Sacramento and <clears throat> you get, if you've been to impound lot, you have to go check in, show proof that it's your vehicle pay for it she had to pay for it sitting in the lot paid like yeah like hundreds of dollars and then she goes out to the spot where they said her bike was and it was a frame mm. and mm. she's like i was screwed by the thieves then i was screwed by the cops and now i was screwed by the impound lot the system because they the got the, they got her money the system yep. does not look out <clears throat> For the bike right. owner. Well, and it's all, and, it could also be, I'm not saying in all cases, but a lot of times a dollar, just the dollar value of what that bike is worth, if it's under $5,000, they're just not really going to give a shit, whether it's a car or a motorcycle. Right. So just yeah. throwing that out there. And we as bikers, we have a very different relationship with our vehicles. And even people who have good cars, you know, you, you could go out and I don't know how much a, stupid Camry with all the options is now. There's probably got to be a $28,000 car. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we would, even a, a, a cheap bike, even a $5,000 bike, we have a very different relationship with that machine than people who even drive high-end cars. Oh, and, certainly. It goes beyond money. It goes right. way beyond money. Well, especially uh, if, like for a lot of people we know, it may have a, a $3,800 bike or $4,000, but it's your only mode of transportation. It's how you get to work right. and back. It's how you support yourself, right? So when that gets stolen, you know, it's hard to hear from a cop that, hey, it's just not worth that much money. You know, when you, you yeah. have a very personal relationship with the bike. I mean, if Rufus ever got taken from me, I mean, I just, <clears throat> I wouldn't know what I'd do. You would melt. I would melt. Be Armageddon time. It that's, would be that's, ar what, that's what I always said would happen to me. And then melt. it happened, and I did melt. I know, mm. but it, it, it really, I have, I had a bike stolen many, many years ago, and I got screwed by the police, and I got screwed by the insurance company, mm. and so on and yeah. so forth. And it's really, you're given an unfortunate situation which is traumatic enough, and then all these people come along and basically fart in your face. And by the end of it, you, you really feel completely violated. 
Well, <clears throat> there there is an option yes. for prevention. Yes. That I want to play for you guys. This is from a, one of our old sponsors. Is this Moto Bandito? Moto Bandito. Oh, those guys. I had a Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. my bike getting stolen. Do you know of any good security systems for motorcycles? Oh, funny you should ask. I know of just the thing. Really? What is it? Well, it's the Moto Bandito Daisy 3001 security system. Daisy? That doesn't sound threatening. <laughs> I want something that'll teach them a lesson. Oh, well, let me tell you about it. Daisy stands for Defensive Automated Intervention System. A friend of mine had one installed in his picture and someone tried to steal it just a few days ago. They were at work and they got an alert on their smartphone from the app that came with the system. Using their phone, they were able to deploy the system and neutralize the thief effectively. Sounds good. So how does it neutralize the thief? Well, here's where it gets good. First, it sends an audible warning to the thief. Then it disables the motor while triggering a high-tension spring-loaded underseat bear trap that basically tacos his asshole. <laughs> Next, it sends a million-volt taser shock through the bear trap, rendering him paralyzed. And then, while he's trying to keep the bike from crashing, the hand lever guillotine snaps shut and chops his fucking fingers off. It's hysterical. <laughs> I went with my friend to retrieve the bike, and there was blood, fingers, and assholes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a man cry so hard for his mother. It was awesome. What do you think? I think I want to know where I can get one. Well, it's easy. Just go to motobandito.com. B-A-N-D-I-D-O. What do you guys think? Wow. You know, I'll tell you exactly what I think. I think we need to bring back Moto Bandito product. So just so you realize, Moto Bandito... Um, it was a spoof product line that we did down here at the garage. Um, <laughs> and it covered not just anti-theft system. <clears throat> there were Moto Bandito snap-off tools. Yeah, yeah. And just a bunch <laughs> of stuff. But I think we need to bring back Moto Bandito. Maybe. But, you know, that that was a joke. But it does, um, I think, is a good example of the lengths that we feel like we need to go. So um, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, more about prevention Um one, uh, oh, you got to go, Jim? I'm going to head on out. Yeah, I, right. I, I haven't showered in four days. So. <laughs> I can tell. tell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice to meet you. We keep this one. We keep eating forget, the gummies. Very, very <laughs> nice don't, forget, don't forget to take a bag of dicks with oh, you. Oh, yes. Sweet dicks. Please pass the bag of dicks. Some of that sweet dick. <laughs> see you. See you. Peace. Bye. Um, so nice meeting you. There's, you Thank you. There's a lot of different things, and um, we're going to have another guest come on in a minute to talk about that. But one of the things that seems the... One of the better ideas is these motion sensors that attach to your phone. Right. Um, and in fact, you know what? No one's really talked about this, but I remember years ago when I was still a kid, and I was that kid when I'd see a motorcycle parked on the sidewalk, I, I couldn't resist, and I'd hop on and sit on it, pretend to ride it. And I remember doing that one time, and an alarm went off that was in the seat. It was a pressure alarm. And this wee, wee, wee. And I ah, run away, you know, scared kid. And I was like, that was the last time I sat on a motorcycle that was parked yours. on the street that yeah. wasn't mine. And it's like, no one uses uh, those anymore. Well, you know, what What was voguish back then um, was you had something which went behind the license plate. 
and it had a mercury switch in it <coughs> so that you'd set mm. it so when the bike was on the prop stand, you know, uh, uh, the mercury switch was disconnected and you'd lift oh, it up. Oh, maybe that's how and it was. I thought it was wee, in the wee, seat. Wee, 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 you know, oh, make so a that, hell of a noise. That was like a J.C. Whitney kind of Yeah, product. you know, they were cheap as chips. But, you know, it's not really very sophisticated. Um, well, and I think people are conditioned to ignore alarms now, too. I, I like the fact of the whole, uh, what was the name of that system? Lojack. Lojack yeah. systems were very, very good. Um, and you just put loads of sensors in various parts in your bike. I mean, you'd glue one inside the frame and glue one inside the swing arm um, and all over the bike. And the advantage was you, you knew where these sensors were as the owner because you put them there but a thief wouldn't so the bike doesn't become a very good prospect for resale because <coughs> where's this bonehead put all the sensors but what did it, what happened if the sensors went off you'd know where your bike was well isn't ah, that okay. what the air tag does it's ah, okay. like what the but location it's, gps it's, location it's a location sensor but instead of one yeah, you'd yeah, have several. about 10 didn't it yeah. also uh, disable the bike too i i think there was system they, i mean there were various mm. forms of it but um, there were, there, one of the simplest ones from back in the old days, I remember, there was um, um, a system where you could lock the center stand down. Oh. And that was really very effective because mm. once your center stand was locked down, it was very hard to put it in the back of a van. You'd have to actually cut the center stand off. Um, and that worked very, very well. Well, I know I watch a lot of these videos, again, in the UK, because it's such a problem there, videos of people using the air tag and following their bike and f catching up to the person and like and tackling them to get their bike back. Or in other cases, there's a company that you hire who will go get it back. Like a bunch of goons. Ooh. It's it's a guy, and, and I mean it's for construction does, equipment, does or motorcycles, like dog or, the bounty hunter. or whatever. But he doesn't have to follow the same rules as the cops, and he will go into apartment complexes and into garages and sneak around and get them back. It's a big problem. But um, I wanted to bring on somebody who does know a lot more about theft prevention than any of us, and then maybe we're going to learn something here. So I asked Phil, is Marmot? Yeah, Marmot. Like the critter that tried to kill me uh, in in Colorado. Oh, yeah, there's a killer Marmot. So yeah. Phil from, and now, is it Abus or Abus? Well, it's both. Okay. In the U.S., in the U.S., so I started, uh, I built our desk back in the day when we started in the North America, and we were answering the phone, and Abus is the traditional way to say it, because the company is August Bremerkert und Zune. Yes. And so we would say Abus, and then I would get phone calls, and people would be asked for the bus schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so we started to, we Americanized a little bit, and we say Abus in the States. Um, and it does get a little funny, because sometimes Google Translate will think that you're saying Avis. Yeah. Depending on how you pronounce it. But yeah, what, however you want to say it. Okay, since we're here in the U.S., it's, it's Abus. And if we want to pronounce it properly, Abus. Bagel, please do your best. Abus. Abus. Yeah. My, my friends in the U.K., you can absolutely make our German colleagues so warm and fuzzy. And <laughs> just remember that Abus and their hearts just flutter. Nice. <laughs> well, when we were at AIM Expo and I had told everyone... I'm looking for theft prevention and uh, partly, you know, because of Jenya's story, but all these others, it's be, it being a, more and more on my radar. And I said, I want to find people who sell theft prevention. And I'll be honest, I only found two booths, two. 
the entire AIM Expo that sells to dealers. And I, I was kind of shocked that there weren't more different systems out there at least showing. Um, so I, I stepped right up to the Amos booth and I met Phil and I, I think I laid into you pretty good right away. <laughs> like, I want to know everything. Tell me more. Why are, you know, uh, what's stopping people from cutting into it? Da, 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 da. So let's, let's get into what are your top selling products for motorcycle theft prevention? And then we'll talk about why they don't work. <laughs> so well and and absolutely and, and you guys all know and it's it's fair to start the conversation with the idea that all theft um theft prevention security is is basically resistance to time yes and that's what we're talking exactly. about in theft so the more you can invest the better quality steel the more material you're increasing the amount of time it takes to defeat but again with a professional thief with the right amount of time and the right amount of tools, they're going to be able to defeat nearly everything, even when it comes to high quality security, because if you use a dislock, they can remove your wheel. They need more people to do it. Yeah. Or so, I've seen where they just cut a pie wedge out of the disc. Yeah. It Yeah. Those situations are less it's somewhat limiting because now it's a very obviously stolen bike. Anywhere it goes with a, if you go to a dealer with a, a rotor cutout, you're not going to be able to get it replaced. <laughs> right. I sat in a, in a, I was in a dealership where a customer came in with a helmet with a broken strap <laughs> and they wanted their strap replaced. Anybody in the yeah. motorcycle world knows that motorcycle straps don't break yeah. because they're designed yeah. to keep those helmets on your head at 200 miles an hour. So if you have a broken strap, it was obviously a stolen helmet. Oh, and, and, but, I wanted to just real quick, I'm on your website, and I, I don't know who who's responsible for this, but I wanted to thank you for putting a awesome bike on your website, an Africa Twin. Does that belong to one there, of you? That is, I don't know who owns it. I think it actually might be, it might belong to one of my colleagues in Sweden. Ah, okay, cool. One of, I'm a little jealous, because one of, I, I believe one of my colleagues actually has a company bike, and it's, it's. Painted up Abus, which is really cool. Uh, cool. Um, but to answer your question, yeah. forgive me for being a little yeah, tangential. Yeah. Our best sellers are uh, our number one bestseller is probably our RS1, which is a lightweight disc lock with an alarm built into it. Yes. Why is it a bestseller? It fits almost every bike, mm -hmm. and it is a rotor lock. So it it seventy percent of theft is going to be rollaway theft, statistically speaking. Most theft teams are two man teams where one guy is going to sit on the bike, snap the steering lock by putting his foot on it and just putting leverage into it and breaking it. Okay, but second I, guy is in a van. I want to say that's something I've seen in videos. I didn't realize how easy that is. Oh, it's too. easy. Easy peasy. How easy it is to break the lock that's built into the mm. steering net. So that's ridiculous. Um, and, and the other thing, too, and I, I was joking about, let's say why they don't work. I mean, it, admittedly, people can get through anything. But as you said, it's, it's, it's time. Um, but... It's also every layer you put on, including one of these little disc locks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prevent some people from just staying away. So you're reducing the amount of people who are willing to try and take it on. So anything is one better. Of the, one of the things that we share with, with customers is, and this is, it's kind, of, it's kind of horrible for the guy who doesn't lock his bike, but if I was to show you um, a line of motorcycles, doesn't matter what they are. We know Honda is the the most stolen. Kawasaki's mm -hmm. next, and then Yamaha I think is third. Mm -hmm. If you look at like, uh, I'm talking about U.S. statistics, yeah. but I think it's the same in the U.K. But you have a line of bikes. 
and imagine that you're a thief walking down a line of bikes and you see unlocked, 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 and then you see high quality rotor lock, and then you see yeah. a cheap rotor lock. Why would you steal a bike with a high quality rotor lock? Unless you're a professional who literally has a list of what bike you're supposed to steal. Yeah. Those guys are going to be multiple man teams with vans, generators, and power saws. They're also going to be most likely armed. So it's a different world when you're talking about somebody who specifically wants your model motorcycle. <clears throat> I've had stories where customers were riding Ducatis, rode up to an auto parts store, and while their hand was on the door, they heard the truck peeling out because guys followed them, grabbed the bike, and threw it in the back of a truck. Oh. Wow. Like you said, you can't limit everything. But with an audible alarm. So we put these motion like sensing that. alarms and I, and I think we, sh I hope we showed it to you at the Amy booth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the idea behind the alarm is that it's hundred decibel and it's designed to be heard with your helmet on. So backtrack a little bit. Why do people not use locks? When I talk to customers, I, I have a couple different answers, but usually it revolves around, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to damage my bike. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be that guy. And so I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. I actually had a dealer say he didn't want to sell them because his customers wouldn't, would forget and then damage the extraordinarily expensive skins on their Ducatis. If personally, as a motorcyclist, I go through a checklist every time I get on my bike. I think all of us do yeah. that are on this call. I walk around the bike. It's like an airplane. If, if you can't figure out that you're using a lock, the audible alarm is there to remind you as soon as you get on the bike and it tips up. That alarm goes off. You can hear it with a helmet on. And don't the locks come? I've seen a lot of locks come with a big keychain that says disc lock on it. A big fabric keychain. Yeah, to remind you. Yeah. yeah. There's. We actually have on our non-alarm systems, we have like those cables that go up to the handlebar. Yeah. Make it so you can see that you have the, the lock on. We even have a keychain that comes with one of our locks where you actually put your motorcycle key in it next to the lock key. So for you to get your ignition key out, you're looking right at your lock yeah. key. So it's impossible for you to forget that you're using a lock. So we have a few different tricks to help people remember, but the motion sensing alarms have been popular because when you talk to thieves, it's not that you're going to hear it. You're in a third story walk up, your bike is parked outside. You may not hear the alarm, right? but the thief sure does. And he doesn't know if you're on the corner or not. And to be brutally honest with the prevalence of firearms ownership, you really want to take the chance that the owner is going to come around the corner and find you trying to steal his motorcycle. I've seen videos of that too. Yeah, it's crazy. I um, do not endorse. I do not recommend engaging with a thief with a firearm. You don't want to explain to a judge why that person deserved to die for stealing your property. But I understand that this is also a way that a lot of us are protecting our home and property. Yeah. Well, I would as, much rather use a high quality lock. As we've already established with Jenya here, whose bike was recently stolen, the best uh, thing is just to get a big dog. <laughs> make, make, it, make it sit next to the bike the whole <laughs> big time. Big dog. Big dog. Number, number one in. So when we talk about theft, we talk about that time. Yeah. It's about a three minute window, five minute window on the max. And all thieves know. If they're going to do a home invasion, if they're going to steal your car, they got to get it within that three to five minute window. Otherwise, they're going to get nicked. And when you ask these guys what stops them from going to your home, you're 100% right. My pit bull who sleeps on the couch at night, if you come to the front door, he's going to greet you at the window barking. Do you really want a chance that he might <laughs> yeah. not be his friend? He's oh, a yeah. sweetheart. Nobody, but he doesn't look like it.
So yeah, a dog is is actually the number one theft deterrent. Um, is is statistically is having a dog in the house. So all right, or so next to your bike. the brake disc locks are your number one seller. So you also have the U shack U shackle. A lot of people still refer to them as kryptonite style locks, and the Steelo Flex, and then big chains. So what, in the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if what, if the Sorry, sorry, Liza. So tell me more. Tell me more about each of these and how effective they are. Because I know you guys know how long it takes to cut through each of these. Like you know how many minutes. I have, I have personally defeated pretty much everything on the market Mm -hmm. because I like to buy the stuff. And I'm an old mechanic for 20 Mm -hmm. years. That's what I did before. So I like to tinker and I like to know exactly what's going on inside. When you look at the secure, so disc locks are really popular because they're lightweight. The RS1 mm-hmm. is nice because it even can fit under your seat in the little, like on my speed triple, I put it under the seat. It's always there with me. I can use it all the time. U-locks are the strongest system that we've been able to discover at this point. Mm. It's very rigid. It's very solid. Our motorcycle U-lock has a 16 millimeter square shackle. It has an overbuilt lock body. It's designed to defeat um, the, the famed SRA test in France, which is one of the most extreme security insurance testings there are. This lock is also over eight pounds and it's between 10 and 12 inches. So it's quite a right. large lock. The advantage of a U-lock is that it, the rigidity makes it very difficult to attack. It also, with our systems, we use square shackles and square holes. So if you cut one side of that lock, it won't open. Oh, you have you to actually cut the other and, side. Yeah. With so a 16 millimeter shackle out of the steel we use. So Abus is a family company and we source the materials ourselves. We build the locks ourselves. We actually make all the tooling for our locks. So we're not, we don't put Abus's name on a product made in someone else's factory. So when I'm talking about this stuff, it's, this is actually our, um, I've spoken to our knee people. I've had one shop actually try to cut an extreme lock. They couldn't do it without multiple discs, multiple batteries. And they actually ended up going on an angle and trying to find a way to get through that steel. Mm very 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 difficult to defeat and of course once you cut one side you still have to cut the other but because of the challenge of carrying them they're not as popular in the u.s my colleagues in the uk would i think have seen a lot more of them as far as the way our sales go i definitely see a lot more sales in the uk and europe of the motorcycle u-locks chains are yet again another option that gives you a ton of flexibility so you can get around you know u-lock is limited right it even 12 inches, you're not getting around a telephone pole. Yeah. The chains, we make a lot of loop chains. So you can, um, it's a noose. So you can noose it around and then attach it to your bike. We make a fantastic anchor that has a 16 millimeter self-hardening steel shackle. So mm. if you do cut into it, as it heats up, it actually gets harder uh, <laughs> to make it even more effective at defeating cutting tools. The chain. So we make a lot of disc locks with chain attachments. So that helps mm-hmm. if someone's going to try to pick up the bike. Now they actually have to remove the wheel or try to take more time to, to cut through something on the motorcycle. Again, increasing the amount of time and the, the amount of effort it's going to take to steal your bike. Hopefully then obviously they, they don't even start trying to steal it. I would say personally, when I lock up, I have a uncovered parking spot behind my townhome. I always have a dislock, a gigantic, our top of the line, 8,000. When I go out of town and I leave and I know my it's my wife and my kids here, I will chain the bike through the frame to an anchor. Mm. 
So that way, even if you could bring people to pick up the bike, you now have to defeat a chain and an anchor, making it that much harder. I, again, like you said, Liza, yeah. it, nothing is impossible to defeat, but the amount of noise and sparks that are cut put out by trying to cut through one of our high security chains, it's going to draw attention. And the goal is, of course, we actually have interviews with thieves in the UK who have been caught. And their comment was, <coughs> if they see Abus on a lock, they move on to another lock. They know that they can defeat our systems with enough energy, but their attitude is, why am I trying to, why, am, I, I don't want to go to head to head with a big security brand. I want to steal a, a motorcycle or a bicycle. So I've had customers actually approach me who said, hey, could I get an Abus sticker? Because if the thief sees Abus, <laughs> I have a cheap lock, but if they see Abus, they'll, they'll, they might not try to steal my bike. So uh, Genya, all I, of these. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, Genya. That may be why you didn't see when her bike was stolen, she had a chain on it, but didn't see any debris where it was taken from. Do you have an anchor point? Because an anchor point, if it's anchored down, might be the thing you it's need. Not, it's not my private spot. I rent it so I can uh, do because Like I, you mean uh, like on the ground drilled into? Right, yeah. because what I suspect happened with your bike is they picked it up. With the lock still on, with the chain still they on, they rolled it out. So they yeah. had to have they had to have you think the red of the mm. chain? Oh, because you had to go through the wheel, just like uh, Phil. You said she had it through the frame and the wheel. Yeah, mm. I wonder how Honestly, easy it is you, to. You pick did everything the lock. that I would have done, except for anchoring it down. I mean, well, yeah. the other thing I noticed when I was looking at the chains that they sell, there are these very thick walled chains that you can't even if you cut one side of the link it's not going to come apart you have to cut both and they were like beefy chains so that we're 12 I mean, yeah 12 millimeter is our small motorcycle chain and then we have a 14 millimeter which is like the size of your thumb it's for just for the link uh, for, yeah it was it was but, crazy but it's a, it's a chunk of metal to carry around and that's yeah that's the downside that you you always have to face is if you want to carry this thing around and not just use it at home it is a chunk of weight from it back in the day i haven't lived in the uk now since the 90s but i mean bike theft was still a problem even back then i always did the big chain with the ingersoll lock back then um, I think, as far as I can remember, um, Abbas were around back in the early 90s, but you might have been just starting out. I mean, Ingersoll were the, like, number one, as I remember back then. Um, and I had this huge, giant chain that I used to wrap <clears> around <throat> me. Um, but, God, the thing weighed probably 30 pounds. And well, just riding around with that thing. And... I fell off with it on once and it actually hurt me quite a lot <laughs> because it's just so big. So, you know, it's, it's, um, I think the reason why the U locks are so popular in England, there's a lot of carrying points for them. There's a lot of people who mark it. There's a couple of clamps you can put on at the back and just carry it around on the side of your bike. And it makes it kind of easy. Okay. You so have a bracket. That actually will mount the lock right to the side of the motorcycle. It's a yeah. steel bracket. And interestingly enough, GV, the case company, mm -hmm. makes a bracket that fits our Power 58 lock. So it slides. So underneath the top cap, it slides right in. Yeah, oh. perfect. Oh, nice. All right. I have nice. to ask so you some stupid questions now. 
Have you guys considered having any locks that will shock the person who touches it? Or that give out a skunk smell or mace or like, are, are these things that are on the table ever? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> is that because of lawsuits or potential lawsuits? Well, yeah, honestly, especially in the U.S., and I think it's going to be different. Um, I know it's uh, different in Germany, uh, where we're based, but there is a company out there making something called the Skunk Lock. Oh. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It's a fine product, but I think the limit, the, the it, they make it tubular, so they can fit basically a charge of effectively mace inside. <laughs> and if you cut into it, I, I've not cut that lock i've not played around with it i haven't gotten one in my hands <laughs> i do think that there is a unfortunately with with a lock that can shock there is a very high chance that you're going to end up electrocuting a kid who's <sighs> going to touch your bike okay because Fair motorcycles enough. are cool yeah. there's also unfortunately and i've and i think everybody on this call <clears throat> who rides has probably had this experience i used to ride a custom thruxton uh cafe bike and i had modified that thing heavily so it was i was proud of it and i was happy that people would stop and look at it i came out of my uh shop once and this guy had put his girlfriend on my bike to take her picture and i and she was fighting with him she and she asked and she goes well i this isn't cool right i'm like well and he goes well it's not a big deal i said well i wouldn't get into your convertible and i sure wouldn't get onto your girlfriend so maybe you shouldn't get onto my bike Ooh. And of course, he didn't find that too funny. And I was a younger man who had a you know bigger attitude on my chip on my shoulder. <laughs> right? <piss> vinegar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're motorcyclists, right? We got to be tough, or yeah. at least pretend to be. But the 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 challenge with some of these these ideas, while they while they sound great, and and we also like viscerally, we love the idea of punishing the the person who's trying to steal from us. We also know statistically when we look at people who are participating in criminal activity when it comes to theft there are professional thieves who i think as a group we probably could agree that it's not such a big deal if, if we shock those guys yeah but there's also people who are involved in in theft that are unfortunately down on their luck and does that person really do we need to be you know take taking that person and, and changing their life forever because they made a really stupid choice um, I would prefer to use to deter their attempt yeah. and not to actually harm their their person. Um, but I completely understand and I respect and I even uh, commiserate with the feeling of, man, can't we figure out a way? And somebody somebody has rigged up a system where they actually have a, a gun mounted in their car that will shoot somebody if the door opens. <laughs> wow. Can we do that too? This guy had he had no, explained. He said, no, let me tell you what I did to, to deter theft. And I said, I can't even listen to this. I'm un I'm uncomfortable even knowing that you've done this. Because again, a 16 year old is going to try to steal your stereo and lose his head. And then where where are you, right? Yeah. Or, or somehow he's going to screw up and he's going to shoot himself. Probably the most likely, right? Right. <laughs> okay. Have a drink, forget that it's hooked up, and. It, admittedly, I'm thinking about theft punishment, not theft prevention. So we'll go back to prevention. So here's a question for you. What's the difference between a expensive lock and a cheap lock that looks the same? Number one is going to be the grade of steel that's used. Okay. To give you an example, my friends at um, 
Tiger Lock. If I'm if I remember correctly, they had done uh, a video, but it's out there on YouTube where you can take a lock out of Home Depot and the shackle little padlock shackle says hardened on it. Mm-hmm. I can put it in a vise and I can stroke one pass of a hacksaw across it and it will groove it. There are products out there that are using materials that say they're hardened or that appear to be, and they're not. There's a reason that the top of the line Avis lock costs $200. We are sourcing our steel from ThyssenKrupp, which is one of the best steel manufacturers in the world. Mm. We temper harden our steel, which is unique. Temper hardening costs more money. It takes more time, but it gives us a flexibility in the steel. So it's hard to cut, but it also is somewhat ductile. This is why Avis locks are so resistant against hammering attacks and twisting attacks because the steel can give. When you harden something in a very quick and inexpensive way, which is if you find a 999 lock on Facebook marketplace, it's most likely going to be case hardened. And the challenge there is that hardening will make steel brittle. You've heard of tool steel, right? D2. D2 is through hardened. It's a fully hardened piece of steel. And you can make a knife out of it. And I have some, I collect these things and I have a knife that's made a D2, but you'll only find four inch blades on a D2 knife, because if you make them too big, they're just going to shatter. The steel Mm, is too brittle, but it's amazingly hard and it holds an edge. The challenge with what we're doing in security is we need to be able to defeat multiple forms of attack. We need to be able to to deter a cutting attack from a tool that has a high-speed spinning blade. And that we could through harden. Right. But then we're going to make a brittle product that if you put a, a big two by four in twist, you're going to snap it or you're going to hit it with a hammer and it's going to crack. Yeah. And but um, if we make it too soft, obviously the cutting tool gets through it. And just to, uh, to kind of uh, another example to people, because, you know, I work in the fastener industry. Um, you get a hardened bolt. Well, there's different types of hardened bolts. A grade five will bend before it breaks and a grade eight will break before it bends. There's different properties of the metal they're both hardened but different properties so that comes into play too and you get a certain uh, yeah so hard that it's just you can you can it'll shatter so i want to know all right so you got all these locks and it sounds like um hey liza yeah i just wanted to i want to share with you just one other and forgive me for yeah go ahead being verbose one of the biggest reasons why you should be buying a high quality lock Mm -hmm. and why that that investment is important is the key cylinder. If you Mm. buy a poor quality lock, the cylinder is not going to last. The worst thing is to come out to your bike and have your disc lock not come off, right? Abus has, we own our own cylinder department. We've developed our keys ourselves. We make keys that are very brake resistant. Our key systems have up to 1.2 million variations. So you're not having duplicate keys. And I have personally taken our, like the extreme chain that you saw at the show. Mm I have used that chain personally, dragged it through the mud, used it year after year on my motorcycle and never closed the dust cap, purposely trying to see if I could get it to fail. I've had customers take our U-locks with the same cylinder and put all manner of chemicals and acids and all kinds of things to try to defeat the systems and the cylinders just keep working. So the cylinder itself is so important because if if that lock freezes on your bike, it's you're not going for a ride that day. Right. And, and, and here's the thing too, you know, the weakest link often is the lock, not the chain. So you guys provide the lock with it too. So you make sure that it's the same protection and bagel note to you. Mm-hmm. When I clicked on their lock chain combinations, it says protection for bikes and scooters. Indeed. Exactly. So, 
I want to know um, more about what's coming down the road, because it seems like you've, you've got different types of protection here. Anything from the small disc lock, which is small enough to fit in your pocket, to bigger, heavy chains. I think the answer, and, and Jenny, I hope you're, you're taking notes for oh, like, yeah. how to protect your bike. Definitely. I think the answer is multiple things. Like the more you put on there, the better, like you know. Christmas tree. Exactly. But I want to know about the technology of what's coming down the road. What's next? The future and security. Yeah. There's a couple different, a- so there's two different avenues we're taking. One is on the tech side. Mm-hmm. And you might have seen it, but at the Amy show, we for a year now, we've had on the market a Bluetooth lock. It yeah. doesn't use a key, and it basically pairs to your phone. You can open and close it without having to use a key. That then deters any any thief who thinks they can manipulate a lock because there's no key cylinder to manipulate. Right. <clears throat> that is de- We're working on an IoT solution, which is... What, what I think is the future of this technology where you would be able to actually map your machine wherever it was in real time. Now, of course, it's it would be paired into the lock. So it's not the same as having a tracker on your bike, like a, an AirTag. Mm-hmm. But our IoT solutions and the team uh, that's developing it, right now they're working on working with big container ships where you can have a special IoT lock that you can actually track that container wherever it is in the world. So, you know, if it's on the boat that's stuck in the Suez Canal, <laughs> which by the way, we had stuff on that boat, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. which was, a, was just like such a surreal moment when I'm watching it on TV and I'm, and then I get a phone call and they're like, yeah, that's, that's going to be a problem for us. Oh. <laughs> but the next side of it is, is that physical security, increasing the amount of time it takes to defeat. Yeah. We are working on technologies and, I'm excited to say that some of our colleagues that are our competitors in the UK have have already released a lock that's very, very resistant to cutting attacks. It's sold on the bicycle side. It has it's gonna be difficult to use for a motorcycle just because it's limited in the amount of size that's that it has to to lock with. But the next step for us is the development of systems that are going to be five to ten times harder to defeat, even with high speed cutting tools. Wow. There will be, um, if you, if you want to have me back, uh, late in the year, I can share with you more. Um, but this is something that without going into too much detail, this is what we're looking at in the future is how can we increase, how can we give our customers more, uh, peace of mind? Because at the end of the day, it's, you want to have the peace of mind to use your machine, to go where you want to go, to enjoy riding it and not worrying about losing it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and people used to have to use hand tools, and now there's cordless power tools. So there's more, better tools to use against you. So you guys got to keep up in your game, and and making it harder. I mean, people who have the cordless uh, wheels can just go and cut through anything. So you guys got to defeat that now. On the um, on the upside, because of the strength of our materials. Mm-hmm. I have personally cut through some of our smaller locks, our U-locks that we sell on bicycle. And I've worn out the battery trying to get through both sides of a U-lock nice. with an 18 volt. So the upside is, and this is why the thieves avoid Avis. You might steal one machine with an Avis lock, but how many <coughs> discs did you use? How many batteries did you yeah. use? What's your, what's your ROI, right? Like you're a business, your business is stealing. How many bikes can you steal? We're trying to make it 
So if you ever try to attack an ABIS system, you discover that instead of five bikes that day, you got one. And maybe you got nicked because it took too long. So it's not a, you're absolutely right, Liza. There is because of the the world of construction and the world of Uh the world you live in, right? There are tools that are specially made to cut hard steel because there has to be right. And that's the challenge we face. There's an entire industry that is building things that are cutting our steel while at the same time, we're trying to develop better and better materials. Harder, harder steel. Oh, and I'm on your site. You guys have a whole bunch of different um, mounting anchors. There's all different types of anchors for wall, for floor, to anchor it down. So that's a whole nother level. We are bringing an anchor to market that incorporates the chain into it. We call it the wall chain. Mm. And it has, it's a puck about that size. And your chain kind of fits into two hooks Mm -hmm. that lock into the system. So you can actually loop it around your bike, chain it, and there's a key right in the middle. It uses our X-plus cylinder. So the anchor actually is a lock and a chain all in one. Nice. Hmm. Well, cool. Well, Phil, I wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing a bunch of your products. Again, um, I mean, you guys were really the – there there's only two companies that had similar products, but you were the only name brand selling um, you know, prevention for theft, which I think is becoming a bigger and bigger problem so i appreciate that i want to give a, a good plug um abus abus or abus.com right and phil i got to check in with you end of the year you say things yeah are gonna please be even better. please do and just to support the conversation here i did yeah. a little bit of, of research to share with you guys yeah and just for your listeners so white motorcycle theft was going down until 2020 hmm it was in 2019, there was 40,000 bikes stolen. In 2020, there was 53,000. There is an uptick of like 36%, and they expect to see another 11% increase in 2023. The stats yeah. aren't even out for 2022 mm-hmm. yet. But, and also interestingly, North Carolina leads. It's oh. not Florida anymore. Mm. California, New York is is leading in cities. Makes sense, right? It's yeah. a huge city. But I f- thought it was really, really interesting that South Carolina has the highest per capita at 14 point something per 1,000 bikes. Wow. Which the reason I share that is it's really important that all of us, no matter where we are in the country, you don't have to be in LA, Chicago, DC, Miami. Every bike is at risk. Thieves know how to travel, they know what an airplane is, they know what a car is. They will drive to places where they think that you're not paying attention and they will steal your stuff. So, um, I just wanted to share that as a just as a kind of a yeah, I appreciate a friendly that. warning. I, I want everybody to to be safe, and I want everybody's motorcycle to be in good shape so we can all go ride together. So, two questions: um, Where can they buy? Where can you actually buy yeah. these? And number two, um, if you didn't have a lot of money to invest in multiple systems, what's the one system you wouldn't recommend people to start out with? Avis can be bought online. We're sold. We're, we're, we permit online sales through Amazon. We permit sales uh, directly from motorcycle shops. Uh, your favorite motorcycle shop can access Avis. We're distributed by uh, Tucker Power distri- okay. uh, Tucker Distribution and WPS. So your shop should be able to access it. If they don't have Avis in the store, ask. I, and if they don't know how to get it, they can always get a hold of me I, and yeah, I'll help them. I, I, can, can I can get it through my shop. Perfect. And as far as what would be 
if you don't have a ton to spend and you want to get a high quality system, we make uh, a relatively inexpensive lock called the 277 and 275. They're new to the market. It's a disc lock, but without an alarm, you're looking at spending uh, like 50 to 60, depending if you want a five mil pin or a 10 mil pin. And then with a shock sensitive alarm, so it's a basic alarm, you'll spend um, 70 and uh, 79. No. So you're spent under hundred bucks. It's made of temper hardened steel. It has a good uh, cylinder in it. The lock actually can u- be used with or without the alarm on the alarm version. The other one is uh, just a straight, simple disc lock. Um, and all of our product is also available through uh, the cycle gear retailers. So if you have a cycle gear in town, uh, you can get your hands on an Avis product. That's great. Perfect. Well, Phil, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing that with with us, and uh, for yeah, combating the thefts, the the thieveries out there. It's it's a problem, and and you know I hate hearing about people who are victims. You're truly a victim. It sucks. Absolutely. So you guys are fighting them. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you for Phil. inviting me. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for the questions. And if there's anything that comes up, please, you have my email. I will. I will do that. And let me know when you get your your new stuff. Call me after June. Call me in Ooh. June, and Ooh. we can talk. Okay. That's yes, I'm gonna. Out. There's a new technology <laughs> coming out. All right. Thanks, Phil. Nice. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank Have you. a great day. Ciao. So, Take care. yeah. So, Jenny, is that? I hope that's giving you some more ideas. Ideas. Definitely worth investing the money. So you're not, because I, I was faced with having to file a second claim with my insurance, which would mean I probably would have a hard time getting my next bike insured. And that's not fair if it wasn't my fault in the first place. So I think $300, $400 is worth investing I, in I proper. really think the key for you is, without trying to sound like I'm prying in your living circumstances, yeah. you're in a rental because yeah. most people in Oakland are. But do you have... Your, your kind of own spot in the parking garage of that rental. I do have a, a spot, and I park my bike first, and then I put my car behind. Well, yeah. But, so this is what I'm going to do. I think the wall mount or the floor mount's really going to be your friend here. I'm going to see what I can do, if I can sneak one in when no one is watching, and then say, I don't know, I was there. <laughs> but for right now, the solution is I found a friend who lives in the town next to Oakland and has lower crime so i'm just gonna leave it in his garage are you going over the hill uh it's going it's yeah a little bit <laughs> okay through the tunnel uh no okay okay why right. uh, well there's less crime over there uh, okay that's true or yeah. suggestion by a lot of people was to move out of oakland and no. this is a good enough reason really I think i want to come up with a way to shock people <laughs> i don't know well i'm sorry that you had to go through that um I had to go through something recently, not quite as bad as that, but um, I had to go to the DMV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I I, I feel a little bit a victim as well. Um, And I did not realize, but so I went in to go um, renew my license. And they do the thing where they're like, okay, you want to renew, fill this out, sign this thing, take a photo, pay. And then they go, okay, I just need you to go over to the computer and take the test. I'm like, what? They don't tell you you, you got to take the test. you have to do test. an eye test? I had to do the eye test, but I had to know. People I had to go at a the, certain age have to do more. No, I had tests. to go take the written test again. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? So go to little, little computers and I had to take the car test and the motorcycle test. 
Full disclosure, I failed my, my my car test the first time, and I <laughs> and I was like, what? But some of the questions are kind of janky. Yeah, I made notes. I passed it the second time. I was able to take it again. So now I'm like, well, motorcycle test is going to be easy. I failed it twice. Wow. Oh, you were nervous. You were okay, but no, no, I have issues. <laughs> I I was not nervous. I have issues. When I failed it the second time, the guy behind the counter saw me and he came over with a booklet and said, "Are you sure you don't want to study first? You get one more chance." And I yep. said, "No, no, because I've just <laughs> been learning what answers you want from your trick questions." <laughs> and he just laughed. Truth, <laughs> right? And so I, I did pass it the third time, but I wanted to share my pain with all of you. And I have printed out yep. some questions from the test. How I'm going to give... How many questions are there? Uh, 25. Okay. It's not the whole test. I want to see how you guys do right. with this. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, look, you know how the misfits do in these kind of tests. I know. Laser. So everybody can have their own answer and everyone keep track Oh, okay. If you get any wrong, you don't have to keep track of right. Just keep mm-hmm. track if you got one wrong. Okay. First question. Upshifting, and this is multiple choice, so I'll read them all. Upshifting or downshifting in a curve should only be done if it can be done smoothly, is better than shifting before the curve, or is the best way to control your speed. Again, <laughs> upshifting or downshifting in a curve. Craig, you better pass this test. <laughs> CHP is listening, baby. <laughs> Upshifting up or downshifting in a curve should only be done if it can be done smoothly. Is better than shifting before the curve. It's the best way to control your speed. Do we tell you the answers? Then we yeah, think? What, what do you think? What do you think? Actually, you know what? Um, we're going to go around the room. You guys, I'll just ask one at a time so we can get through them. John, this is yours. What is the correct answer? Making sure you're in the right gear you want on, on exit when you go into entry. Upshifting or downshifting the curve <laughs> should only be done if it can be done smoothly. Is better than shifting before the curve, or is the best way to control your speed? So this is DMV people asking. So yeah, we have to keep that have in to mind. Go option one. Yeah, I think should so. only be done if it can be done smoothly is correct. Yeah, yeah that, that yep. makes sense. I think keyword here is smoothly, or right. I think you like. Okay. Yeah. All right, Emma, this is yours. Hello! <laughs> to avoid confusing other drivers, you should increase the following distance between your motorcycle and the vehicle in front of you if you are being tailgated. Make sure your turn signal turns off after you finish a turn or use your horn only in emergency situations. Do you need me to read it again? To avoid, no, I'm Confusing. going to read it back to you. Uh, avoid confusing other, other drivers. R- you impossible. should. <laughs> yes. Increase the following distance between your motorcycle and the vehicle in front of you if you are being tailgated. Well, that you should do, but whether it's make, a confusion issue. Make sure your turn signal turns off after you finish a turn or use your horn only in emergency situations. It's either going to be B or C. Because it's a confusing... I'm going to go B. That is correct. Yeah. Because it's in the the question, it's confusing. It's not like safety. You don't want to confuse other drivers. More more so than you... Good luck, dear. I I wanted to point some out because this... Well, well, let's just keep going. Yeah, keep going. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Jenya. Mm, yes. <laughs> Blank is a major factor in collisions caused by motorcycles. Following too closely, lane sharing, or not being seen by other drivers is a major factor in collisions caused by motorcycles. Go over the uh, options again. Following too closely, mm-hmm. lane sharing, or not being seen by other drivers. I would think the DMV people want me to say C. Yes. That is incorrect. Oh, no. Following too closely is a major factor in collisions oh, wow. caused by motorcycles. That is a horseshit answer. <laughs> Who is following too close? I'm following because the driver caused, or the driver is following. The motorcyclist. I'm just, okay. If it's... If the driver turns in front of them. Okay, okay Craig. Craig. Pressure's on, no pressure, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is not oh. like your life's work or anything. Craig, <laughs> if you must carry a load, it should be... In your trousers. <laughs> <laughs> or a bag of dicks. All right. If, if you must carry a load, it should be either over or in front of the rear axle, carried on the gas tank in front of the driver... Or piled up against a sissy bar or frame on the back of the seat. Say it again. (laughs) If you must carry a load, it should be either over in front of the rear axle, carried on the gas tank in front of the driver, or piled up against a sissy bar or frame on the back of the seat. A. Correct. Yeah. Now, here's something I have an issue with. I'm like, wait, if I must carry a load, how big is this load? How heavy is this load? How valuable is this load? Exactly. Is this load a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Because that's going in my tank bag, right? Is What is my load? It, it, I was like, I got questions. Not enough information. I know. All right. Bagel. Yes. If your motorcycle or scooter starts to wander back and forth while riding over metal bridge gratings, you should... Clench your butt cheeks as hard as well. <laughs> Down- Very hard. <laughs> Downshift immediately to a lower gear to improve traction. Proceed in a zigzag pattern until you cross the bridge. Or relax, stay on course, and ride straight across. That would be C. Relax, stay course, and ride straight across. That is correct. Yes. Okay, John. Yes. Grabbing the front brake or jamming down on the rear brake. Can cause the brakes to lock is the best way to stop in an emergency is the best way to slow down when the streets are wet. So locking the brakes up is grabbing the front brake or jamming down on the rear brake can cause the brakes to lock is the best way to stop in an emergency is the best way to slow down when the streets are wet. (laughs) Would be the first one. That is correct. All right. Doing so good. Emma, back in the hot seat. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, Emma. Yes? What is the best way to stay out of trouble while riding a motorcycle? I don't know anything about staying out of trouble, though. (laughs) We ride them to be in trouble. Okay. What's the best way to stay out of trouble while riding a motorcycle? (laughs) Yes. A, to see it coming by looking well ahead. B, by avoiding high-density traffic areas, or C, by increasing the following distance between your motorcycle and the vehicle in front of you. Well, A and C are two sides of the same coin. I'm... I'm just going to go for A, because C achieves A. That is correct. All right. 
Genial. <laughs> okay. She's so awful. I feel like I'm back in the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was the idea. <coughs> okay. To execute a turn safely, a motorcycle rider should always A. Lean the motorcycle in the direction of the curve or turn. B. Slow down in the turn. Or C. Turn using the handlebars only. <laughs> I would assume that it's A. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Liza. Yeah. Have you noticed a pattern for me? What's that? You're a bonehead. Me? Yeah, I mean... No, you already <laughs> said you had an issue. There's issues with these. No, I mean, there, there are, there are a couple... Ambiguity, True. I think, is the... Is the ambiguity well, it's, is the word. It's, it's not just ambiguity, but there's tricky wording. The, the thing is that they, they have very specific wording in the manual... Mm. And the questions are based exactly mm. on the wording in the manual. And if you don't read the manual, you won't know the right wording. Mm-hmm. So you won't know which answer is the right are one. Are you suggesting that a civil servant <laughs> is okay. incapable of interpreting a slight change in program? Yep. Okay. Yep. Craig. <laughs> I found a hard one. Okay. <laughs> when riding at night, you should... Move closer to the vehicle in front of you to use its lights to see farther down the road. (laughs) Keep driving at your normal speed because slowing down would increase the chance of being struck from behind. Or reduce your speed because it it is harder to see something lying in the road. See? Correct. Now... Here's why this is bullshit. So this is a sample test that I took. Mm. When I took the test there, the answer was move closer to the vehicle in front of you to see, see use no. their lights to see down the road. What? This is one of the ones I had to take three times. They, mm. Wow. They do talk about that as well. So, see? Their tests aren't even their right. Their tests did not match. I know. <laughs> I know. But that's wow, what that's they so... said. You should move closer to the vehicle in front. <laughs> yes that was the answer that they wanted that was one of the i'm just learning what bullshit answers wow. you are expecting me to give you yes that was one of them that's the most ridiculous thing well i want to point out emma it, on the one that i gave you there was um the thing about that you need to let's see what was the one i gave you can I, I mean, just interrupt if the, and if say, the dmv news- are encouraging you to tailgate cars yes. at night <laughs> Yeah, newsflash. California DMV encourages tailgating at night. (laughs) Okay, bagel. Yes. A motorcycle rider has an advantage over an automobile driver when passing parked vehicles because a motorcycle can accelerate faster than a car. A motorcycle rider can avoid the problems of opening doors and people stepping out from between vehicles by driving in the left part of the lane. Or motorcycles have a shorter stopping distance. Ooh. Uh, D, all of the above? <laughs> See, and some of these, I'm like, all of the above, but they want to know. Right? Like, they've chosen one to be. Okay, one. Read, 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 the, uh, read the question in the, in, the, in the options one more time. A motorcycle rider has an advantage over an automobile driver when passing parked vehicles because a motorcycle mm-hmm. can accelerate faster than a car. Not, not if you're a Tesla. motorcycle rider can avoid the problems of opening doors and people stepping out from between vehicles by driving in the left part of the lane. Or motorcycles have a shorter stopping distance. 
I'm going to go with C, shorter stopping distance. I would say That's B. Like B. Yeah. yeah, B. It was B. Really? But this was another one that I got wrong where what, it said... What What if it's a big 70s Cadillac with a door that's six feet wide that blocks yeah, the whole lane next to it? But there was also <laughs> one where that. it was like um, motorcycles should ride in the... Uh, on like a four-lane highway, right? <clears throat> motorcycles should ride in the right side of their lane, the middle, or the left side of their lane. Mm, yeah. And I was like the left side of the lane because i don't Mm -hmm. want to drive in the oil nope the center so that you can guard your lane from other cars yeah i'm like so stupid no no so i i had big issues (laughs) with the test Mm -hmm. like i I had issues with that one too myself (laughs) i it's they don't make sense we agree no no it 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 pissed me off it really did um I think we got some time for some emails. Emma, I'm handing you one. Oh, thank you, Yeah, darling. And John, I had one for you that I really liked that I want to find. Um, let's see. It. Oh, I'll have to send that one to Bagel because that's going to require an accent. This one is for you. And mm-hmm. I'll forward this one. Emma, if you can start yours, please. Yeah, this is um, Joshua Renfro from Boston. Hey, Josh. Um, hi, Misfits. This is my first time writing in. He's from the English part of Boston. Um, <laughs> but I've listened for a couple of years now. No, I think they talk with an Irish accent in Boston, don't they? Sure they do, like you lie in with a bag of shite. Now, some time ago, you guys were talking... No, that'd be Dublin. Some time ago, you guys were talking about the perfect $500 motorcycle and mostly came to the conclusion that such a bike doesn't exist. Well, I have the solution for you. Um, my buddy, and obviously they are still friends, um, gave me his non-running 1982 Honda GL500 Interstate last year for the lovely price of $0. I finally had enough time to get it running and fix all of its leaks. It still needs work to make it safe and legal, but I bet for that $500 I have a perfectly good running and safe bike. I'm sure you do. I'm sure some of you count that as cheating, but I don't care because I'm the one with the bike smiley face. Here's my question. Some of you know that this bike has air forks and an air monoshock in the rear. Neither holds any air, so my next task will be either to repair or replace them. Do you have any suggestions of how to rebuild air suspension or ideas for some replacements? I've seen some modern replacements for like 400 bucks, but I'd rather find a cheaper solution. Thanks in advance. They can be expensive. Let's talk about what is a GL500. Well, I shall tell you. A GL500 is a CX500 custom with a ProLink rear end. That's it. Um, Air forks are nothing special. So wait, you're not going to call that a maggot? No. Okay. Just, okay. A plastic maggot. (laughs) I love the CX500. No, it's an Intercrate. That's what we call <laughs> No. Air, sh- air forks, you rebuild air forks exactly the same as normal forks. Um, the only difference I'd use, you know, I've, got, I've gotten quite a picky with my fork seals over the years. Um, I like genuine fork seals and I like SKFs. You probably <clears throat> wouldn't be able to find SKFs for this bike, but put a set of genuine fork seals in Just it. Just got to... Pump it, pump it up. Yeah, and don't go bananas. You know, the front forks, um, 
I think they take like five to twelve yeah, psi. Yeah, like it's, seven or eight. Yeah, it's kind of low, but um, there's nothing special about that. And the trick is with this: if I remember right, there's a bridge that goes across the top that goes from the fork top cap to another one. Suzuki did it lower, just above the lower triple tree, but Honda did it up top. Pump it up and then use the old um, use the old uh, uh, soapy water. Pump it up. Yeah, and just. Yeah. Spritz a load of soapy water over each of the joints and see if you can see where it's leaking. Um, The back is a little bit trickier. The reason they put air suspension on the rear of this bike is because it was known for having a very, very plush ride. Mm. Well, you can't have everything. So if you have a plush ride and you put your girlfriend, boyfriend on the back and you load up all the luggage the suspension would be bottom. So they thought, how can we do this? Especially with the shock in the middle where it's hard to adjust. We'll put air assist on it. If the seals have blown, it's a sealed unit. You can't really do a great deal with it. Um, The good news is I would pull the shock out, do a bit of measuring, and just put a conventional shock on the back. I mean, everything now has got pretty much a monoshock rear end so you might find you might be able to adapt the shock from an fc6 or something or a, right. or an r6 to go in the back and it'll do the job just perfectly well without the air assist remember honda this was one of the first bikes with street bikes with a monoshock rear end so honda was still learning a great deal <clears throat> and it was the early 80s and things were kind of gimmicky back then so air suspension was a big deal. Not so much now. I suggest going on to AliExpress. They got lots of colors oh to choose God. from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have a pushing that talking AliExpress. about talking about AliExpress. <laughs> I have an update over my they're real because I put the sticker on them. Olins. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so as you know, I put I put some Olins. Olins <laughs> on the back of my XS1100, and boy, did they look good. Well, progressively over the course of about a month, it's like a ship that was sinking. You know, I go out to it, it was a few it was millimeters, listing. it was listing, it was listing to starboard captain. And progressively, I noticed it was sitting a bit lower and lower and lower and lower until um, last week. I went out to it and I picked it up and the shocks just bottomed completely. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I took them all apart and the springs have gone very, very strange. You know, the springs aren't springs anymore. They're just like yellow coils that don't do oh, anything. No. And it's a shame because the damping units still work great. But I can't get bloody springs for it. So it looks like... Had I not put the Olin stickers on, I feel that karma farted in my face. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's it. So I got a lovely set of progressive, very conventional-looking shocks and put it on, and they're jolly nice. Nice. I got a real quick one here, and this is from our friend JR, who apparently was here last week, and I missed him. Hey, JR. Hello, JR. Yeah. Uh, He said, well, hello, 
Misfits. Aloha. I want to drop a note regarding the Chickistan article in the March 2023 AMA magazine. To begin with, if your listeners are not AMA members, I encourage them to do so. AMA does so many helpful things regarding laws and keeping our BLM land open to our beloved adventure riders. Now on to the article written by my friend Aaron Rita. Uh, The article was very, very well written, and the pictorial displays were fantastic. I think the article did a fantastic job of describing the kindness and generosity of the Pakistani people. Also, as was said in the article, motorcycles have a way of bringing people together in a wonderful way. The part about the girls' school brought tears to my eyes. I want to personally thank all that was involved in that gift of the two motorcycles, and Our Patreon money paid for one of the motorcycles. That was a gift from Motorcycles and Misfits. Uh, Also tell Jim, thanks for pointing out the article to me. I had not opened my March issue yet, but I did open it first thing this Monday morning. Okay, I've rambled on too long now, but I want to say I didn't get my hands dirty last week at the shop, but I hope I passed on some good advice to those working on those bikes. So, yeah, I want to give a big thanks to Aaron and the AMA. Uh, I was really, I finally got to read the article, too. Um, This is for a, a... trip i do in pakistan called chikistan were you on the cover of that issue? that was not me on the cover but there was some pictures on the inside no that was aaron Mm. um yeah so uh that was that was awesome awesome coverage yeah so thank you um craig you got a quick one there too Husqvarna. Yeah. I'm John, a Patreon member from Maryland. The Sam is just a label. Yeah. Hey, Misfits. I've noticed that many people in the U.S. pronounce Husqvarna with an A in the middle. Husqvarna. (laughs) Since this A isn't actually in the company name, it leads me to ask... Does this mean that Yamaha is pronounced Yamha? <laughs> Where the actual A in the middle of Yamaha is silent. So it can be loaned to Husqvarna? <laughs> For what it's worth, I'm told the manufacturer pronounces their co- company name Husqvarna. Husqvarna. I bet Bagel. <laughs> Master of accents could do a great job with that. Bagel master of beta. From John. (laughs) Thanks, John. Thanks, John. John. Speaking of master of accents, Bagel, do you have an email there to read? I do. I have an email from Maurice Berger. Bonjour, Maurice. Bonjour. Maurice writes, Hi, Miss Fitz. It's Maurice from Switzerland. Just German Switzerland or French Switzerland? <laughs> His name is French. Maurice. He's from the French Switzerland, of course. alors et bleu. It took me a few days to work up the audacity to write this. Oh, God, this is awful. But, but I'm afraid I have to correct Miss Emma on two things she said Uh-oh. regarding engine technology Ce on, the pas Thumper, bien. on the Thumper episode. Nombre un. <laughs> All two strokes have total loss lubrication. Not quite. There are modern direct injected two strokes that have a partial loss lubrication system. In those, only a very fine mist of oil is mixed with the intake air to provide some lubrication to the parts. Well, Well, cylinder walls, rod bearings, crankshafts, 
and so on are lubricated in the same way as in the four-stroke. The fuel is injected from the top directly into the combustion chamber shortly before top dead center, and after the exhaust port is shut, therefore no gasoline escapes through the exhaust, making that type of engine incredibly efficient. Well, it would be. I can't afford that kind of technology. (laughs) (laughs) Nombre deux. Yeah. <laughs> Pistons break the sound barrier with every stroke. Hopefully not. The oil film would evaporate in an explosive manner, oh. causing damage to piston and or cylinder wall, as the parts that still touch would immediately fuse together in the unlikely event that the piston would make it to the to one to either one dead center, the G forces would rip the engine apart and violently. On sea level, sound waves travel at approximately 340 meters per second. In a high-pressure, high-density environment, even faster. The fastest mean piston speed in a production engine is 26.9 meters per second, the Audi Lamborghini V10. That's on par with F1 racing engines. Peak engine speeds usually don't exceed 40 meters per second, except maybe in a top fuel dragster. That's 90 miles per hour and a a far cry from even touching the sound barrier. Well, I shall stand corrected. Okay. I'm not going to Switzerland either. Oh, no, no. Anyway. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) Anyway, I'm looking forward to the reports on the Castles and Curves tour. If it is successful and calls for more, I might try to get in touch with Cat McLeod, since we have gorgeous riding roads and a well-preserved castle with an actual ghost just outside my door. <laughs> I'd be honored to host a tour in English if the caretakers let me. Lots of love. Give it the beans, etc. Maurice. <laughs> that was great. What a lovely email. That's good. Fabulous That's good. accent as well. I'm it's messy. like you're there. <laughs> it's like I studied French in Germany or something. <laughs> well, no, fr- um, S- Switzerland's a very, very interesting country because it, it was made up in medieval times of cantons. And yes. so there are many languages spoken there. And I mm-hmm. believe the most common is French, <coughs> but, you know. Uh, German, mm-hmm. I think, is the most common. French is second, I believe. Yeah. And then I think it's Italian, Italian is third is and then, then Romance after yes. that. Yeah. All right, we got yeah, time spend for a little, spend a little time there myself. For one more, and this is clever. I like this. All right, this is from Mark from Minneapolis. Hey, hey Mark. The t- title is Thumpers and Chicky Stumpy Scooter Stand. Chicky Stumpy Scooter Stand. What do you think, Bagel? You in next year? Chicky Stumpy Scooter Stand. Maybe. So, Maybe. so Jenya. So I do Chickastan. He did Stumpastan, and Bagel did Scooterstan. We all led our own tours uh-huh. in Pakistan. So now we're talking about next year merging them merging, all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll try to keep this brief, but I have to weigh in on one thing, and I have a couple questions about another. First off, I have to side with Emma on the thumpers. I remember spending a lot of time reading Dirt Bike Magazine in the 80s, and I believe the term thumper was specifically used to identify a four-stroke as opposed to a two-stroke. This is back when most four-strokes are considered less serious or mainly dual sports and, and trail bikes, with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. It also didn't seem to be a term thrown around for bikes with less than 400 cc or so cc's. I had a Yamaha IT490 back then in high school, wow, uh, who kicked my ass and was delightfully too much bike for me, but it was not a thumper. 
Secondly, I want to ride with you all in Pakistan. I'd love to get the details on Chicky Stumpy Studer Scan <laughs> 2024. I'm excited to go if it works out. I was talking about it, and a buddy of mine wants to go too, but he doesn't ride. Oof. He rode bikes as a kid, kind of like me, not much formal, just hooligan shit out of the country like I did. I think he was on a Kawasaki 70. I assume he would need to get his license, but what is the skill level involved to go to Pakistan? Did wow. you read the article, the part about the death road? Yeah, you got and the death yeah. bridge. You got to know what you're doing. And the death tunnel. Yeah, you need to know what you're doing. I mean, there were guys who were arguably better riders than I did, and they went down in Pakistan. Yeah, so. um, but it, you have time now. Stuff. I always say, um, get the experience now. We did have somebody come on our trip who had just learned to ride, and she did end up um, riding in the truck most of the time because she realized she was yeah. over her head. You got to be okay riding a street bike with street tires and in, in the dirt. Yeah, and, but, and but if, take classes. If, yeah, well, and also if if he's someone who has ridden before, even if it's a long time ago, yeah, take classes and get back into it. But if you can put yourself into some sort of an immersion program for for riding, uh-huh. especially on bad roads and dirt roads and stuff like that, between now and then, you could get yourself to a to a point where you're reasonably capable. Um, especially if you can ride with somebody who's experienced who can give you tips. Um, you know, that would be a good way to prepare. It's just so many different conditions. You've got a bada bod, which is like yes. crazy, crazy. If, if you can do the Widowmaker on a Trail 70, I think you're good, right? What's the Widowmaker? <laughs> that hill climb <laughs> in a city. Oh, at yeah, Hollister? I know. I know. Um, don't, don't tempt me. Yeah. But he goes on and says, <laughs> but perhaps the most important question is how can I use this as an opportunity to get a bike under his ass permanently? His currently up mm-hmm. the butt bike is a Langan two stroke, and no, it's not a thumper. And thanks, and P.S., trying to balance wishing the snow would go away to ride and procrastinating on replacing piston rings, cylinder-based gasket, and a starter clutch on a 1982 650 Seca so I can ride. What Emma, do you know what this bike mm. is? A Langer two-stroke? Langen, L-A-N-G-E-N, Langen two-stroke. That's probably one of the more modern ones that I can't afford. <clears throat> it's probably a very good <clears throat> bike. A new, you know, <clears throat> the new two-strokes are so superior thing to remember is because i've been around for so long a lot of my knowledge is way back in the right. you know in the old days but I, not a, I know what a 650 saker is and what a lovely yeah. bike that is so i don't know what the lingon is um i would say if you truly want to get somebody prepared for a pakistan trip for the bikes we ride that looks nice it's pretty sexy a, a duke 390 is probably pretty close well, let's see emma what is it hmm. lingon oh Oh, oh yeah, that is. I'll ride it. Oh, it looks kind of like a Ducati customized kind of interest trellis frame. Cool. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, we'd love to have you join us. We're still working out if we'll do it. I haven't talked Bagel into doing it yet, though. I did tell Moyne that I'm trying to get you guys to do it, and he's like, "Oh shit, I better buy a scooter." <laughs> <laughs> he still has the scooters from before, right? But I mean. To a certain extent, that applies to every single one of our trips. I mean, you need at least a, a, a good ability to be able to control your bike, right. yeah. even if you're riding mm-hmm. smaller bikes. When I do Vietnam at the end of the year, we're only going to be on 150cc bikes, but you're going to need to have your wits about you just because of the conditions. Mm-hmm. And you, It's going to be a very, yeah. very high urban environment, and then rural environment with maybe not the best roads i always say you need to be a competent 
writer. Right. You don't have to be a great writer. A competent a com- writer. But when you write in the Dolomites and the Alps, that really, you you have to do a minimum speed. Because if you don't, you're a danger to everybody yeah. else. Well, if you're going to Pakistan, the biggest tip is stay as far away from Moin as possible. Because <laughs> he will make you crash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. We're, we're wrapping up. Um, uh, quick announcements. Uh, for all of our Patreon subscribers at $5 or more, I've sent out the link for you to order your new T-shirts. Uh, so go ahead. If you haven't gotten the link to order your T-shirt for Patreon uh, or as a Patreon reward, let me know and I will send you out the link. And um, um, for $100, I will send you a picture of me in my black lacy underwear. <laughs> and for $105, oh, I won't send you the picture. I remember, Emma, I just remembered why I ca- you called me and I, uh, yes. I said, I can't remember. I remembered why I called you. I'll just say it right now. So um, in preparation for our rally, which is only three weeks yes. away. Oh, yes. We're having a, our own a rally in three weeks. Yes. Um, we're okay. coming up with prizes for the raffle. Right. And I wanted to make one of the prizes, but I needed to check with you. I needed to make sure it's okay to objectify you. Um, I wanted one of the prizes to be a private uh, um, peekaboo of Emma's tits. Yeah, no problem. Okay. I, I didn't think it would be a problem. I could do mine, too, if anybody wants to. Yeah. Well, John's are far bigger than mine. Um, and I think the competition for a private peekaboo, and I will be the judge of this we'll have a team of judges i think the dance like your dad competition so (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll see uh so yeah we still got some spots left open in our in our rally uh you can go to breakingawaytrips.com and under trips it's miss rally or you know what for uh, a t-shirt link to our website for um emma's tours there's a link in in our show notes for the rally there's a link in our show notes i'm the links are all there in our show notes just go there come and have fun with us we're fun people <clears throat> yeah and jenny thank you for coming down all yeah, that's, yeah. That's, thank, thank you. you my pleasure you, you had no you idea who, right we, who we are or what no, we do i, I, I just I reached out to you i'm like yeah. hey I, I saw your story. I and want I, you to share it. And I purposely didn't do my homework well, if I ever need to, to go, try to find out who you guys are. You're still like, I don't know what's going on. If I ever need to go tromping through a homeless camp, you're my girl. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, but it, it was a great story. Your perseverance, but also keeping your cool and playing it safe. Yes. And... But but the perseverance and getting the right people to help you. I like having the dog, and I but I like especially that you got your bike back. And um, definitely, please take Ooh. a bag of gummy. Oh yes, you get a bag of dicks to take. I got a bag of dicks on the road. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. All right, so thanks everyone. Um, Motorcyclesandmisfits dot com. You also find all the links there. Uh, we got one show. We're getting ready for one show. That's our next big thing after the rally. There's yes. so much going yep, on. Yep. All right, time to wrap up. Uh, Follow along. You'll figure out how this goes. All right. Thank you, everybody. This is Liza. Stumpy John. Emma Darling. Jenya. Craig. Bagel. And we are out of here. Bye-bye. Cool. 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 There it is.